Hello, listeners and fellow book lovers. Welcome to The Book Snug, a bi-weekly conversational podcast about books and the reading life. My name is Stephanie. And I'm Julia. We're a mother and a daughter who love reading and talking about books, the ones we adore and the ones we don't. We're delighted you're here, so grab your favorite hot drink or ice-cold beverage and settle in for another cozy, bookish chat. Hi, Mom. Hi, Julia. How are you? I'm okay. (laughs) I have been better. Yeah? Yeah, I caught a cold in Uh. my travels, and this week has just been an uphill climb for getting a clear head and a a clear voice. So yeah, I'm apologizing up front to you and our listeners for the gravel and the stuffy nose. Okay. How are you? Good. It's fall, so I'm good. <laughs> it makes everything better. It does. It does. I listen to my fall music on the way over here. I, it's, it's fall, so I'm happy. <laughs> I opened up all the windows mm-hmm. in the house today because it's just so lovely outside. And the cats don't know what to do with themselves. They cannot decide which windowsill <laughs> is going to offer them the best views. Yeah. The most birds or squirrels. Mm-hmm. They are just absolutely crazy. Yeah. We uh, got Freitas um, a cat tree and it came in the other day. Like this is a big thing with like lots of shelves and tunnels and cubbies. And she has decided that the biggest cubby is now her bed. So she is laying there with her tail sticking out and her feet sticking out. because She's almost too big to fit, <laughs> but it's right by the window. So she's just having so much fun. Living her best life. She really is. While Jesse and Sam are living their best lives today Good. too. Good. We went down to the fair uh, the other day for just date night and we took the motorcycle and I I always forget like I love fall it, it brings me so much joy but I always forget how much joy it brings me um, until it rolls around and we were on the motorcycle we were almost to the fair and I happened to see flashes of orange and I looked and it was a whole pumpkin field and I full out screeched pumpkins <laughs> on the back of the bike almost made us wreck because I was so happy so I, like I, I, I know it sounds like I'm being dramatic that fall makes me happy but it really like unleashes childhood joy in me this time of year <laughs> Well, I am so glad for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He Ben rolled his eyes at me, but it's fine. <laughs> I am kind of really struggling to believe that we are already here at the end of September. I know. That is an unbelievable thing to me, too. Yeah. This year is flying by. It really is. And I feel like July, August, and September in particular just it's gone in a puff of smoke yeah and i barely had a chance to experience it right right it was a really busy quarter for me yeah like i didn't it's so awful to say but i haven't really had a reprieve in my personal stuff since like the beach in may right and so july through september i don't even what i don't even know how i got here it's kind of like when you drive home from work sometimes and you pull in the driveway and you don't remember actually driving home right yeah that's i understand that feeling of going through a month or two and not really knowing how you got to the end of it you don't remember the individual days yeah right right and i feel like the older i get to the faster time goes which i don't like that's so true at all at all i remember the excitement of halloween when i was younger feeling like it was just building and building and building each day and now halloween is here gone before i even like have the chance to eat (laughs) breakfast i don't 
Wow. Yeah. As we jump into our fun conversation today, since we will be talking about our quarterly books and reading experiences, what are you drinking today? I am drinking a medicinal tea to get me through all the talking we're going to do about our books. I am drinking throat coat. Mm. That is a slippery elm variety. So I am hoping that it soothes my throat and softens it. So I don't sound like someone who has smoked cigarettes from the time she was three years old. Or some bridge goblin or something. (laughs) See what I mean? (laughs) So I'm hoping this tea will at least get me through our discussion because I'm so excited to talk about the books that we're going to talk about today. What about you? What are you drinking? Well, first of all, I'm drinking it in an adorable fox mug. Yes. So just <laughs> adding good things here. Um, but this is a, I believe it's from Celeste, but it's a cinnamon apple dream. So it's like apple cider, but right. like tea. Tea, yeah. It's a lovely. So you are just sticking so with good. the fall theme all the <laughs> way through. Absolutely. Good for Listen, you. <laughs> I, I need to. <laughs> I need to. When you look back over the quarter, July, August, and September, what? how do you feel about how your reading went? I, I had a pretty weird reading experience mm. in July, August, and September. It was good. I had good books. I enjoyed them, but I picked a really thick book in August. Took me almost three weeks to read. Mm. So it kind of slowed my reading down and I just feel like I have been in low gear for the last three months. Mm -hmm. I feel good though. Um, Even though I'm reading less, the quality was much better. I actually had a hard time picking a disappointment or a letdown from the last three months, which I consider a huge win. So I'm feeling good. Quantity down, quality up. Good. Which, I mean, that's just as fine because if you're reading better things like that I think it kind of makes up for it right and I'm I never read for quantity yeah that's why we always have this argument about why do I only pick 65 books for my goodreads goal because I don't care if I meet it or not sure the the quantity number is not it's not a thing for me sure sure so how about you how do you feel about your reading for the last three months Well, to kind of beat the horse one more time, fall is my renaissance. It's when I begin to feel like myself again. It's when I begin to feel more happiness or joy or or things are making me smile more. Right. Um, More energy. yeah. Yeah. And so as I know that fall is getting close, I kind of attack things with more more fervor. So though I didn't read a ton this quarter, I think because – though I'm still kind of dealing with some slump. I think if I were to get into a thicker book, that would kind of knock me off the rails a little bit. I was definitely able to read things that made me happier. So I spent a lot of time reading books from my childhood that I knew that I could get through pretty easily, but were happy or I had good memories to it. And that has just really added in in my enjoyment of reading this quarter. Mm-hmm. Do you know how many books you read? Of course. I mean, I keep track in Goodreads and Storygraph. Yeah. I read 15 books. Mm. I have two in progress that I will definitely finish by the end of September because we're recording a week before the end of the month. Right. And so I will definitely finish. That's a fine number of books, Mm -hmm. but that averages out to about five books a month. And that is only about half of what I usually read a month. So. Right. 
that's why I say I feel like I'm breeding a lot more slowly mm-hmm. than I was, but it's fine because I'm enjoying it more. Mm-hmm. How many books have you read, Julia? So I have read 10. I listened to one. Oh, I guess I listened to two because of the secret history. Okay. I'm in the middle of one and I DNF'd one. Okay. So I guess that brings my number up to 15. Yeah. One. 14 or 15. I don't remember if I included that in the original count or not. Okay. Um, but sitting around that number. So we've read about the same number of yeah. books this time yeah. around. And again, most of my books have been 250 pages or less. Okay. When, and the one I listened to, Secret History excluded, the one I listened to was only three hours long. Okay. So I'm listening to pretty short things or reading pretty short things. Right. And I just thought I listened to The Legend of Sleepy Hollow oh, that's on the plane one. on the way home. Yeah. From our trip. So and I didn't even count that here. But that's that's not even a novella. That's just a short story. Yeah. So I'm not even sure I would count that. But you're right. That is a perfect fall read. Yeah. Just so vibey and atmospheric. Now I need to add that to my ever growing list for the fall. <laughs> well, at least it's a quick read. It, it won't is. take you long. It is. And it's definitely a good one to listen to. I in the fall for me the evening time. So I find for whatever reason, Friday nights is when I want to food prep. So that's the perfect time for me to put on Sleepy Hollow or some of these other spooky things or listen to like classic fall music um, because of those vibes, that mm-hmm. that feeling. And so that have to make it into its rotation for when I do my, my baking and my food prepping. Mm-hmm. Did you meet any goals that you've set for this quarter? I have mentioned a couple of times now that in order to help me get out of my reading funk that I was experiencing in June, I made a little project for myself where I read four classic books with a summer tone mm. to read over the summer. Mm-hmm. They were books I owned, so I would be reading down my owned TPR. Mm-hmm. And I it gave me a little bit of structure in my reading, which I think I was missing. Mm. I completed that project, enjoyed it immensely. Of the four books I read, I loved Dandelion Wine by Ray Bradbury. The absolute most. That was just wonderful. Such a nostalgia for summer. Mm. Oh, it was his writing is just superb. Mm. And I really enjoyed that. But I enjoyed all the books. So that was a great Mm -hmm. that was a great project. And it felt good to accomplish that goal. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm I surpassed. My Goodreads number of 65 books. I think I'm now at 70 or 71 books for the year. So that's a little celebration for me. Go me. Yeah. Right after you got done saying you didn't need to read 65 books. Right. Right. And then I continue to read two fiction and one nonfiction book that I own every month. So I I didn't meet that last Mm -hmm. month, but I, for the most part, am meeting Mm -hmm. that. So, yeah, I'm. I'm meeting or surpassing the goals I set for myself. And I enjoyed the project so much, the summer reading project that I am making a project for myself for the fall that we're going to talk about in our next episode. Okay. So yeah, good. It's it's been good. I'm pleased with the progress I'm making. I know you don't have specific reading goals, but do you feel like you are moving in the right direction with your reading? I didn't have anything specific for this month. And I think for me overall, um, since I am still pretty new in tracking my reading and making goals for my reading, that my goals tend to be looking at 
the year as a big picture instead of individual quarters or individual individual months. So I think I'm still on track with my big goal of reading the books that I own and not buying as many. Mm-hmm. Um, but for this quarter, I didn't really have a goal. It was just to I wanted to focus on reading the books that I had that were from my childhood. So Ella Enchanted or Holes or things like this that were short, easy reads, but brought a lot of good memories back to me. Mm-hmm. To kind um, of get you back into the swing of reading. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then also to start my fall TBR, which I did in September. Did you have a reading experience this quarter that just really stands out to you as being fabulous or worthwhile or really memorable? I do. I actually have a couple. Mm. As always, like we say this every time, and I think this is going to come up every time we do a quarterly review. I loved rereading The Secret History and then discussing it with Paige and with you. Yeah, That was just a fun reading experience for me and then a fun discussion. I echo that. Not so much the reading part, but the discussions. I I always love how those discussions challenge me as a reader and how... um, it really adds to my understanding of the story. So like when we did the three peas in the pod with Nana, the marriage portrait, I got a lot more out of that story than I did when I read it by myself. So those, I agree with you that those episodes are always so much fun. Right. Right. And I already mentioned my summer reading project. That was quite a joy for me to pick up summer by Edith Wharton, the summer book by Tova Janssen, Dandelion Wine by Ray Bradbury and a room with a view by Ian Forster. Those were just books that were delightful to read. They just really were wonderful because of the summer settings. Mm -hmm. It just really enhanced my summer reading experience. Mm -hmm. So I really enjoyed that. Mm. And then probably my big reading book experience for the quarter is the fact that I got to visit Hay on Why on the border between Wales and England. It's a huge book town. Mm -hmm. The town is tiny, but there are 60 bookstores or other types of shops that sell books in Mm -hmm. this little town. It holds a huge book festival every year, which wasn't happening when we were there. Mm. But I just had such a blast going into some of the bookstores mm-hmm. and looking around and wandering the town. It was it was wonderful. Um, we only visited three bookstores because it was overwhelming. It was absolutely overwhelming. We went to the Addyman bookstore. We went to the the famous bookstore in Hay, and now I am totally blanking out. I'm going <laughs> to have to look it up. I think it's the Richard Booth bookstore mm. which was my favorite okay. I loved I loved everything about that bookstore and then we went to Murder and Mayhem which mm. only sells mysteries thrillers pr- okay. uh, police procedurals a little bit of horror mm. um, and that was just a cool bookstore when you went in there there was like the outline of a body on oh, the floor fun. and fun decals mm-hmm. on the wall and I, I purchased a lot of books there but mm-hmm. the whole experience was just fabulous something I really wanted to do and I was glad I got the chance to do it and I'm so jealous you didn't take me along (laughs) well we I know we took your brother but we you you guys are adults and married and working and sorry I know but mom (laughs) you and I have a book podcast I I know I'm sorry but I would be very willing to go back okay let's do it yeah we'll go back and we'll spend more time in hay on why because I would I would actually 
prefer to go and be able to go back a couple days in a row and visit a few different stores every time. Yeah. The biggest issue with doing that is I just could not buy all the books I wanted to because I had no way to bring them back Mm -hmm. home with me. Do they ship? I didn't even look into it. I'm sure they do. Yeah. That was my very, very fun, Mm. very unique reading adventure for the quarter. We'll have to make sure to get some of those photos and things on the. Yes, I did take a lot of photos so we can post them. Yeah. So, Julia, what about you? Is it going to be anticlimactic? Yeah, to <laughs> nothing compares to that. Unless I went to Venice and toward their bookstores with the books piled everywhere, which I did. In your boat as I you know. float around. Right, yeah. right. no. In the gondola. Yeah, yeah. no. <laughs> no. But I definitely, like I said, like we talked about the, the three peas in the pot episode with the secret history was enjoyable. And then... I DIY'd a bookshelf for the apartment. In in our new apartment, there's this little like nook that is the perfect first shelf. And we wanted to put in floating shelves for the books. And we just decided not to because we didn't want to have to deal with filling all those holes in when right. we went to leave. So one afternoon, I put on Sammy Keys and the Hotel Thief by Wendelin Van Drennan mm-hmm. and listened to it while I sanded and painted milk crates. And I just stacked them in the corner and filled it with books. Um, so that was just really fun and, and nostalgic for me because I talked about Sammy Keys on another episode before. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that was really enjoyable. And I've been taking a lot of bubble baths because I can actually take bubble baths now. And so being able to sit with bubbles and read has been very enjoyable too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I second that 100%. Yes. And I just found out today that my tub is able to have one of those really nice tub trays. So now that's going on my Christmas list. <laughs> That's actually one of the best gifts I ever received mm-hmm. was a tub tray. Mm-hmm. I use it all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Wonderful gift. Yeah. My tub isn't quite big enough for me to be able to like lay full out like comfortably with my neck, but to be able to have like my books there and, you know, a drink, right. yeah. some yeah. snacks if I want some snacks, <laughs> like the whole th- Yeah. That would be very, very nice. Okay. Well, let's get to talking about actual books. Okay, let's do that. (laughs) For those of you friends that are new to these kinds of episodes, um, we just have a couple of small little categories that we talk about that we put our books into. Yes. It includes Cream of the Crop, which is our favorite uh, of the quarter, Sleeper Hit, which is Happy Surprise, one that we weren't expecting to be as good as it was. Then we have a Letdown, so the least favorite or the most disappointing. And then a Wild Card, anything else we want to talk about. Okay. So what is your Cream of the Crop, Mom? My cream of the crop for this quarter is Troy by Stephen Fry. And the reason uh, I'm bringing this to the show as my cream of the crop is because it was the absolute best book Mm. that I read this quarter. I listened to it, so I need to at least make that clear. This was an audio book, but Stephen Fry reads his own books. Mm. He is an English actor and he is witty and smart Mm -hmm. and just so funny. I just enjoy listening to him tell his stories. Troy is a retelling of the Iliad by Homer, which if you're not familiar with that is the story of the battle of Troy to recover Helen, who Mm -hmm. was stolen from Menelaus. Yeah. And it's just, I just love the way Stephen Fry tells this story. Mm. The thing that really, really worked for me is he 
he is compassionate even about the villainous people mm. in the story. I mean, Paris, who is the person who steals Helen away and takes her back to Troy, he is often presented as this spoiled, selfish, cowardly prince. Mm -hmm. But Stephen Fry gives you a more complex view of him from the time he's a little boy up mm. until the time that he he dies or he Troy is defeated. Mm -hmm. Same for Agamemnon, which I I just don't like Ag Agamemnon. No. He's kind of a jerk. He's yeah. He's kind of a bully, pushes yeah. people around. But even even Agamemnon is presented as a more complex character in mm -hmm. this retelling. So I really enjoyed it. I looked forward to my walks every day mm. because I got to listen to this. I thought this was going to be the last book in his series. He's written three so far. The first book is Mythos, which is about the gods and goddesses and how that whole, the whole hierarchy of Mount Olympus ended up being what it was. Mm. The second book is Heroes, and it's about all of the, the big Greek myth heroes, like okay. Heracles and Perseus. Mm -hmm. um, Achilles. Achilles, Jason. Yeah, okay. yeah. And then this third book is the Iliad, and I thought we were done. I got on the computer yesterday just to search and mm -hmm. see, and he has uh, the Odyssey. Okay. version coming out next October, oh, October lovely. 2024. I can't wait. <laughs> I'm going to pre-order it because I yeah. just, I love these books so much. Yeah. I listen to them on audio always, but I buy the mm -hmm. book then too. Gotcha. So my favorite read. Gotcha. What about you? What was your favorite read well, of this quarter? I was going to say first, I love books that take scenarios or stories that I know in one way and present them, like really challenge my understanding of them. Mm-hmm. I don't know a ton about the Odyssey of the Iliad, but I, I just really applaud authors that are able to take these known stories and just twist them on their head a little bit or present characters from a different perspective. Right. He he doesn't do any twisting sure. so much, but he just gives them a very human feel. Mm -hmm. gotcha. They don't become these one characteristic characters. They become well-rounded mm -hmm. human beings. Sure. Sure. Well, my cream of the crop for this uh, quarter was one that I just finished the other day. Okay. And that is Other Birds by Sarah Addison Allen. Oh, good. I'm so <laughs> glad you liked this book. <laughs> I have had this in a pile of books that you gave me to read months ago, months ago. And I just couldn't figure out when I wanted to read it, if it was a book that would fit in the summer or if it would fit in the fall. And I I do struggle with reading books that that setting wise don't match when I'm reading them it just it detracts from my reading experience right and I didn't want this book to go the way of oh this is definitely a fall book and I'm reading it in the heat of July like mm -hmm. I, I wanted to be careful about when I read it and I knew that you had rated it so highly as yes. well this is the story of Zoe mm -hmm. who has an invisible bird named Pigeon and she is all but kicked out of her father's house when she turns 18 and she moves into a condo that her mother had before she passed away on Mallow Island in South Carolina. Right. And as Zoe is getting settled, one of the other condo owners dies pretty suddenly and uh, it kind of begins this 
journey for Zoe of building relationships and friendships with everybody else on the property. Uh, it's a story of self-discovery, of letting go, of grieving, um, with some themes also of family dynamics and what it means to how to develop your relationships with your, your parentals. And there's a little bit of ghostiness in it. There is a, a big found family theme. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. And it's not just Zoe who is growing as mm. a person and learning to step out and engage with people. It's other people yeah. there at the, the condominium complex. Right. Yeah. It's a delightful story. I, I absolutely loved it. I'm glad you read it in the summer. Mm -hmm. It feels like a summertime book to me. Yeah, it does. It does. I think also it's definitely summertime because it happens before school starts. So it's like late August, middle, beginning of September. Mm -hmm. But for me, the way that this book is written in the styling of the words and the phrasing of the sentences and how things are put together, it actually, for me, felt like a late spring twilight of the kind of mystical, magical warm full of possibilities kind of mm -hmm. and i really i really enjoyed the story i just i fell into it so fast and there are a couple of twists maybe i would say that happen but they happen in such a way that like you're not reading for them so you're not looking out for them right so you kind of miss all the little signs and hints along the way but when once the twists happen you're like oh Okay, I can see yeah. where that was all pointing to. That makes sense. I can buy that because mm -hmm. I see how it came, how we yeah. got to this point. Yeah. And that's also not like whiplash twists. Yeah. yeah. They happen. And I just remember f for one in particular going, oh, my goodness, how did I not see that? Right. And then it was fine. Like I just, yeah. you just keep going. Yeah. yeah. No, this was really enjoyable. And yeah, it was lovely. It was lovely. I I agree. hundred mm -hmm. percent. Very, very good book. Yeah. What was your sleeper hit? My sleeper hit for this quarter is Unlikely Animals by Annie Harnett. This is about a young woman who, his name is Emma, Emma Starling, and she is born with a healing touch. So okay. this book has a little bit of magical realism okay. in it too. She outgrows this, though. Mm. She gets to the point where she can't help people anymore. But she has already decided she wants to be a doctor. So she goes far away to go to med school, gets there, and decides it's not what she wants to do. So she has mm. a bit of an existential crisis. Mm -hmm. Ends up having to go home to her town, Everton, New Hampshire, and moves back in with her family. And her family is going through it. Mm. Her mother and father are struggling with their relationship because her father had an affair with a coworker. Mm. Her father has also been diagnosed with brain cancer and he is struggling with the dementia that accompanies that. Plus he's hallucinating mm. and his forms of hallucination are seeing a very particular ghost mm named Harold Barnes, who was a real, per Harold Baines, who was a real person in New oh. Hampshire history. Oh. And he also sees animals. Like he hallucinates herds of cats. That's what got him fired from his job at the college. He was lecturing and the room mm -hmm. filled up with cats and he blamed a student for bringing the cats in the oh, room. Oh, yikes. So he was fired. Mm-hmm. 
the son, her brother is an opioid recovering opioid mm, addict. Mm-hmm. So there, there's just a, a lot that this family mm-hmm. is dealing with. And you follow Emma and her father, Clive, and this family within the context of this town, mm. because the town is struggling with an opioid crisis. Okay, There is a young woman who has gone missing. People don't even care about her. They're not even trying to find her because she they think she was a drug addict mm. and who knows what happened to her. Mm-hmm. But Emma's father is hyper-focused on finding her because mm-hmm. she was a family friend. She was Emma's best friend at mm-hmm. one time. So the whole, the whole book is just this family getting through things. Mm. And it is delightful. I can't even explain how good this is. Because even though these topics are really, really heavy, and they are, mm-hmm. and the author doesn't shy away from sure. the hardness of this. I mean, when you have a parent who has dementia, and who also has pretty much a death sentence as far as a medical yeah. disease goes, You're there's a lot of grief yeah. that is happening and a lot of like intense struggles with relationships. Yeah. But Annie has such a way of using humor and lightness to make all of this palatable. Okay. Plus there's just a lot of weirdness. This book oh. is weird. It's really weird. There's a lot of animal references. You have this whole Harold Baines part of the hmm. story. And then on top of that, the narrators, I'm not going to tell you who they are, but it's a group of narrators. It's almost like a Greek chorus. Oh, They are rooting for the town. They are rooting for the people. And it is just delightful. Hmm. So quirky, weird, hard hitting, but full of hope. And redemption. Okay. So that is unlikely animals. Okay. <laughs> it will it won't be for everybody. Sure. So, some people will not be able to tolerate some of the irreverence in this book mm, because okay. it it does have if you've ever dealt with anyone who is struggling with dementia, they do some things. Yeah. They are very funny situations, but it's also very, very sad. Yeah. <laughs> so very hard. Yeah. It it just could be triggering for some people, mm-hmm. but I just found the book to be very delightful, very hopeful, mm-hmm. even in the midst of really hard things. Mm-hmm. Um, the characters, you'll love everybody. You will love and care about everybody. Mm. I've read Annie Harnett before. She wrote um, Rabbit Cake. That also dealt with very hard topics. Mm. Grief. It's it's focused on a twelve year old girl whose mother has just died, Yikes. and you follow her through the first year of living without her mother. Mm. But it is also funny. Mm. So she just has that really good balance between hard topics and a light tone, and they work together to mm. make everything really digestible. I guess is the word I want, or palatable, or. Or it's easier to take everything in. I don't know. Okay. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm sick. So just take everything with a grain of salt. <laughs> but it's a good book. Yeah. It's a really good book. It just might not be for everybody. Sure. Sure. Yeah. It doesn't really sound like it's one that would be for me because I do kind of tend to stay away from more real life heavy things because yeah. I want that escape. And this is definitely contemporary. Like this is this place and time. Mm. It's not historical fiction Mm -hmm. it's not a fantastical world even though 
there's a lot of magical realism type components to it. Sure, sure. Okay. How about you? What is your sleeper hit, Julia? My sleeper hit is The Secret History of Witches by Louisa Morgan. I saw that you posted this on Instagram. Yeah. I have had this book for a number of years. I don't remember when I bought it. And as I was putting together my fall TBR, I figured this one made sense from early fall into Halloween because of witches and magic and you know the whole thing. Mm -hmm. I was not expecting it to be the saga that it was. The story is about, uh, it's a generational look at five generations of, of women who originate from France. They're Romani women um, who practice witchcraft. And through persecution, they end in Cornwall. Uh, well, they move to Cornwall and then they end in London at the, at the final generation. And it's a, an examination of the mother and daughter relationship, the power of women, um, and how to pass on beliefs and traditions to the next generation while also fighting against social and cultural factors that would seek to stop those beliefs and traditions. Mm -hmm. It starts, I believe the book starts in like 1860 or something and then ends right after World War II. Um, and you get a look at each of the different women and how they respond to their history of witchcraft, how they use it, um, and then how they pass it on and or if the line stops anywhere. Okay. It was incredible. It's 500 pages and I read it in 36 hours. Like it's wow. just like it was quick, easy to get into. And I it, it gave me a lot of reflection as well. We're Christians. I, I We're not pagan in any way. But looking at how these women who used witchcraft for whatever reason or practiced the Sabbaths or whatever these things would be um, and how they were trying to keep that those beliefs alive and continue to practice it and trying to share with the younger generations or with the next generations why we continue to this. It, it, it made me really think about how us as Christians handle passing down beliefs and traditions right. and where, where can things go wrong with passing it down? Is it, is it in how, um, so there's a situation in the story where it's very much, this is what we do. You do it. And that no questions asked versus let me teach you, let me show you or what happens when there's nobody and, and somebody has to find it out for themselves. And it was just a lot of self-reflection on that. Mm -hmm. How one generation shares or passes along a belief system. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was a really, really good book. I will say because of my own natural curiosities, this was a book that pushed my boundaries just a tad too far in terms of natural magic. Okay. In my own life, I'm very interested in how natural ingredients help heal my body, like ginger, mm -hmm. turmeric, lavender, right. things like that. I'm very interested in that because I think that there is some truth to it. Absolutely. And I can very quickly, I know that, I can very quickly move from that into things I should. And this book pushed just a tad too far mm -hmm. on that boundary. Um, so I just set some pretty strong parameters after it was finished in terms of what I was going to research. What was I going to look at? What was I going to read after just to continue to protect my own beliefs and traditions? Mm -hmm. So 
Sounds like a really good book. I think yeah. I would enjoy I reading that. I think you would. Yeah. I think Nana would really like it too. Yeah. Just a really good examination of women specifically, but in the relationships that they have with each other. Okay. Do you have a letdown? I don't really, hmm. which is interesting. All the books I've been reading, I haven't been DNFing anything. And I don't really have a book that I have not enjoyed. Hmm that I have finished. I am currently reading a book that I bought at the Murder and Mayhem bookstore in Hayon Wai. It's a British crime library book. Mm. And I am not enjoying it as much as I hoped I would. So okay. that's the book I'm going to talk about. Okay. It's called Murder Underground. It's by Mavis Doriel Hay. And I think it was written in the 1930s. Mm. I don't, please, nobody... Write that down because I don't <laughs> I don't really know for sure. But it's the story of a woman, an older woman who is not very uh, likable. She's much disliked. She lives in a boarding house with a lot of, of other people. Mm. Nobody really cares for her. And she is strangled on the stairs of the underground train. Oh, and then the story, of course, is just solving the mystery. And for the most part, the solving is being done by people who live in the boarding house. Mm. I picked this book because I have read another mystery by this author called The Santa Claus Murder, mm. which I loved. It was mm -hmm. so much fun. So well written. This is not that book. Mm. And I think the main reason I'm not enjoying it is there is a tremendous amount of focus on the murder victim's nephew, and he makes a bad decision early, early on in the book and just continues to make one bad choice okay. after another, after another, okay. after another, and it's driving me crazy. I don't want to read about it anymore. Sure. So I'm struggling with it. I am going to finish it. I'm two-thirds of the way through, and... Mm -hmm. For me, it just feels like it's not awful enough for me to put it aside, but I'm so disappointed because I spent money on it mm -hmm. in a bookstore in a special place, yeah. and I'm probably not going to keep it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's my letdown. Mm -hmm. Just I don't know. I just wanted it to be more entertaining and less annoying. Sure. I. I a trigger, a reading trigger for me. And I'm not talking about bad triggers. I'm talking about annoyances. Sure. A personal annoyance I have when I am reading is when characters make stupid choices or choices that don't make any sense to me and they continue to do it. I, I'm okay mm -hmm. if characters make a bad mm -hmm. choice because a lot of times that moves a plot along. Mm -hmm. But when somebody just continually one time after another makes a dumb choice or a questionable choice an immoral choice over and over and over again i'm done i'm absolutely done i don't have the patience for it so how does that line up with the secret history <laughs> okay now you're asking hard <laughs> questions it's i i maybe i'm not explaining myself well I understand why those people are making the choices they make. And I'm just being devil's advocate. I know, I know but maybe our listeners are wondering too, what sure. am I saying? This character just 
it's just like willy nilly stupidness. Like mm. I, in the secret history, it is understandable why sure. these people are making the decisions they're making sure. because of who they are. So maybe this guy is making the decisions. <laughs> I don't know. It's just driving me crazy. I just, I want to smack him. I want to smack him upside the head. Or I just want to tell the author, can we focus on somebody else? Like, I don't even know mm -hmm. why we're focusing on this guy. Mm. It doesn't make any sense to me. He obviously didn't do the murder because we're only looking at him. Sure. So anyway, this is my letdown. Like I said, it's not a huge letdown, but it is my biggest letdown of the quarter. And please don't ask me hard questions like that anymore. I cannot answer them. <laughs> I will do my best. But I mean, I totally, that is a major letdown that you bought this book at some place that was so yeah. wonderful and lovely. And it's just not, it's not doing it for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, so some of the books that I bought at the beach this year that I read and I was just kind of you know, sort of, you know, yeah. now I'm like, do I want to keep it? But I bought it at the beach, but like, do I want to keep yeah. it? But like, I'm not going to read it. So like, I totally, yeah, yeah, I understand. I mean, the beach is not whales, but right. I, I get it. <laughs> it makes me sad. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a letdown, Julia? So my letdown was a DNF. Oh, okay. <laughs> Tell us about this. Oh, and this is a popular book too, but I DNF'd the Midnight Library by Matt Haig. Oh, okay. Tell us about it. I chose not to even read this book. So, first of all, I misunderstood the cover. The cover of the book looks like airplane windows for me. So yeah. I thought it was going to be like not what it was. Okay. They're actually doors is what they're supposed to be. And so I went in with the expectation that there was going to be some level of like plane or flight or like travel, something like that. Yeah. And it's not. And I knew what the story was getting. I knew that it was going to be like, it's a wonderful life kind of idea of such bad things are happening. Here's a, here's a moment and a place for you to reevaluate everything and get back to what you're doing. But the beginning was as somebody who has dealt with situational depression, the beginning of the book is written way too close to home that I I could feel alarm bells going off for me. And I'm told like my mental health is stable. We're good. We're fine. But I could, I could like, yeah. I related way too well with the beginning of that book. And it starts off, I'm not giving anything away. It starts off with the phrase of 19 years before she decides to die. So you know that there's going to be some level of. Yeah, there are triggers. Yes. Yeah. And I just, I DNF'd it because I, the writing was not, like I wasn't, I wasn't pulled in and I have seen many other examples of this idea before that are done both well and not well. And I just didn't want to sit through this already struggling with liking the main character. Yeah. And already struggling with some of these depressive thoughts that are present in the story. And, and it wasn't, there was no airplane. And so I was just annoyed. <laughs> The okay. idea of a midnight library, I think, sounds super cool. I think that's the perfect name for like a midnight bookstore. Right. But. Or something magical. Yes. Yeah. It just wasn't that. No, it wasn't. Yeah. So I'm not DNFing it because it was a bad book. I think it's more an um, wrong expectation of what the story was going to be like and just too close to home for matters that I take too seriously. Yeah. Those so. are good reasons. Absolutely. Yeah. While you were talking. Please don't get mad at me. But I was thinking about, <laughs> you asked me what the difference was between the the character in the book mm. I'm not 
liking and the secret history. You figured it out? I did figure okay. it out. In the secret history, those people, yes, they are making bad decisions, but they are not they're not doing it out of ignorance or stupidity. Okay. They are they are purposely making decisions. So this guy is just behaving without any brains, I feel like. Okay, so that that's my difference. I have I've read many thrillers where I felt like the main characters were just oblivious, mm. making decisions, being completely oblivious and uninformed. Mm. And that is not the impression I get in the secret history with okay. those decisions that those people are making. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. All right. Sorry. I just, I had to clarify because there was a difference <laughs> for me. But now back to the Midnight Library. Sure. I do know that the author himself mm -hmm. has struggled mightily with depression mm -hmm. and suicidal thoughts. And I did hear that this book in particular does address that. Yeah. And that is why I have just decided not to pick it up because mm -hmm. it was not a place I wanted to dwell yeah. in my reading. I know many people have loved it. And sure. I'm not making any statement about that. And you no. aren't. You are no, no, certainly no. talking about your own personal protection. Right. And I guess just for some clarification, I never had suicide ideation. I was never concerned with taking my life. That was never anything mm -hmm. I dealt with in my depression. But the feelings expressed of like, oh, this is all of my fault. I did everything wrong. Life is like, yeah, I resonate with those feelings pretty strongly. And I give him major props for dealing with depression and writing about it in the way that he did. I think that's very pronounced. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? That's very good of him. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that there are going to be people that get what they need to out of this story. Yes. And many people have. It's yeah. a, it's a beloved book. Yes. Just, it just wasn't for me. Yeah. And so. there's nothing wrong with that. Nope. Okay. Final thing here. What are your, what's your wild card or do you have a couple? I have a couple because okay. I always have a couple. My first wild card is Tranquil by Tuesday, Nine Ways to Calm the Chaos and mm -hmm. Make Time for What Matters by Laura Vanderkam. The reason I'm picking this as a wild card is this was a great, great book mm -hmm. filled with actionable tasks mm -hmm. to make time in your life for the things that matter the things that bring joy to your mm -hmm. life and the things that make memories and making memories is what makes your life feel worthwhile. Right. Right. Laura Vanderkam is a time management and productivity writer. I like her writing. I've read a couple of her books. I like her most when she is talking about this kind of stuff, mm. not how to manage the minutes in your day, but how to look at your time and organize it in a way that you are going to feel most fulfilled. Okay. And it does not have to do with doing your job as quickly as and efficiently <laughs> as, as you can. So she talks about nine things that she practices in her own life and has been for a long time that she actually created a study for mm. and had participants. I think like 16,000 people participated oh, wow. in her study. And everything that she talks about are easy things that you can do. You can put into practice and she tells you mm -hmm. how. And just some examples of things that she recommends is picking a bedtime. Mm -hmm. She doesn't care what it is. Just go to bed at the same time every night. And her philosophy is that for adults, going to bed early is sleeping in. 
That's hmm. how you get your sleeping in done. Okay. Because you have to get up at a certain yeah. time. Yeah. But if you go to bed earlier, that's how you get your extra hours. Mm-hmm. And and she acknowledges that actually putting yourself to bed is really hard as an adult. Mm-hmm. If you're like me, I don't like to go to bed because it means my, my me time is ending. And when I get up, I got to yeah. do work. Yeah. So she recommends if you struggle with that to get yourself ready for bed early in the evening so mm-hmm. that when bedtime rolls around, all you have to do is... Put yourself in bed. Mm-hmm. You don't have to brush your teeth, do skincare, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Another thing she recommends is moving by three o'clock. So you get your any exercise you're going to get done, you do it before 3 p.m. because then it will get done. Mm. If you wait until later, it's probably not going to get done. Yeah. You're not going to have the energy. Something's going to come up. Mm-hmm. She also says that if you do something three times a week, it is a habit. Hmm. So if you only exercise three times a week, that is an exercise mm-hmm. habit. Hmm. If you only read your Bible and pray, but you do it consistently three times a week, Mm -hmm. that's a habit. Hmm. So she's very much about getting rid of perfectionism and looking at your life in a more reasonable way. Hmm. So I love this book. There were so many things that I thought I could easily apply to my life and I plan on doing. The only thing I can say is that I haven't really tried anything but the bedtime Sure. Aspect yet, but mm-hmm. I'm I'm very interested in. So that was that's my wild card number one. Mm-hmm. If you are at all interested in any kind of time management that enhances your life as far as like not getting things done, but making time to do the things you want to do. Mm-hmm. This is a good book for that. Okay. And then the second book I want to talk about is David Copperfield, mm. because it took a huge chunk of my reading time in August. It's the first David or first um, Charles Dickens. Oh my gosh. I must have Dickinson. So we're both struggling. It's the first Charles Dickens full length book that I remember reading. I read Great Expectations in high school, but I didn't read the whole thing. I skimmed a lot of it. Mm. So this is my first real experience of Charles Dickens in a full length novel. And I enjoyed it. Mm. I I do think Charles Dickens is too wordy. He uses too many words to say what he wants to say. And that got annoying. Mm -hmm. But the story of David Copperfield is lovely. David Copperfield is delightful. The side characters are delightful. I loved his aunt. Mm. I love their relationship. Um, This is a hopeful story. And the reason I chose to listen to it. Oh, and that's the other thing. I listened to it on audio. And Richard Armitage narrates okay the book he is one of my favorite <laughs> audiobook narrators oh my word his voice mm. in my ears yep <laughs> that got me around the track many many times so anyway it I'm not, I don't want to beat David Copperfield to death mm-hmm. but it was just a good good reading experience for me it was like it was a long book, 30 yeah, hours. I even forget yeah. what the hour length was for listening, but I really, really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. The only thing I will say is it helped me realize one thing about myself as a reader. I struggle with children suffering. Yeah. And in the first part of this book, David Copperfield really, he's... Yeah, it's not good. And I got to the point where I thought, I can't read this anymore. I can't mm-hmm. do this with him anymore. It's awful. Yeah. And then it got better. Okay. But I I really enjoyed it. So I might try another Charles Dickens, not anytime soon, because it's such a long book. Sure. But it was a good, good reading experience for me. Okay. 
So those are my two wild cards. What about you, Julia? What are your wild cards or wild card? So I do have two. And the first one is Fever 1793 by Laurie Hulse Anderson. I definitely wrote the year backwards on here. (laughs) But it's Fever 1793, which is based off of a real event in history when the yellow fever hit Philadelphia. Okay. And historians believe it was because of refugees from the islands or from, I believe it was from the islands that came and settled in, in Philadelphia. And then it kind of spread from there. And I was not expecting this story to be so similar to my experience with COVID. Wow. Like it okay. was because the the book starts, it's, it's told from the perspective of a young woman. She's maybe 13, 14 or so. Um, and she and her mother own a coffee house. And it starts right as the whispers of this fever start to happen. And then slowly everybody around them starts dying and everybody's fleeing and everybody's taking precautions and nobody's sure when they can come back. And and even though the yellow fever only lasted for about three or four months, right, because when the first frost hit, everybody was fine. I just was reminded so much about what it felt like during COVID of everybody staying inside, not talking to anybody, how they talk in the book about how some family members, when they got sick, they just threw them out the window or left them in the streets so nobody else got sick. And though I don't think we heard of any of that happening. No, hopefully not, no. But there was definitely, it felt like... A separation. Yeah, such the strain on families. Right. That people were fleeing and trying to find other places to go. Right. Or Um, when family members got sick, they were isolated in the hospital and you couldn't see them. Right, right. In the book, they walk around with rags with vinegar across their face so they wouldn't get sick. There's a part in the book where an old woman yells at... Matilda, the the narrator, the main character, because she looks like a fever victim um, and is very, very rude to her. The fear of not knowing if anybody else is going to come back, like just, I was not expecting it to be as reminiscent of COVID. Okay. Uh, so it was very interesting. And this was a period of time that I, I didn't know a ton about. Mm-hmm. So it was very informative. And we live not far from Philly. Right. Yeah. So to think about how far people would have fled. I mean, they talk about Lidditz in the book and that's not far from us either. And so I I just I wonder how far people fled to. Did some people settle here? And that's where we're seeing like are we seeing some of that still today? Like. Right. So just a very interesting period of time and then a very um, informative book. And that is too. Is that an adult book or is that a kid's book? Um, I think, I think I remember seeing it when I was in elementary school. So like late elementary school. All right. Laurie Hall Sanderson also wrote Chains, which was a pretty big trilogy about slavery and emancipation, I believe. I do think your brother wrote, he at least read the first book in that trilogy. I have that one too, but I remember seeing both of those, Mm -hmm. um, when I was in, in school. The second wild card for me was just a treat to read in August. And that was Tuck Everlasting by Natalie Babbitt. Okay. And it's just a short little story about a family who accidentally lives forever and the challenges that they encounter and how to do they want people to discover how they live forever or not. And it takes place in the sweltering heat of August. 
which is exactly when I think of August, that's what I think of. Like hot, humid, it needs to storm so bad, everybody's melting and dying all over the place. Is that when you read it? Um, Yeah, right around that time. Mm-hmm. And it was, just a, it was just a joy of a little story to read. There's a lot of sweetness in the dialogue between characters and in the growth of the little girl who kind of tells the story. And yeah, it was, it was a little treat to read. I don't think I've ever read Tuck Everlasting. I know the story, but I don't think I ever read the book. It's only 150 pages. I might have to pick it up. Well, I do have a copy. Okay. (laughs) Well, we talked about quite a range of books today. Mm -hmm. All of them. Yeah. Sounding pretty good. Now we're starting on our last quarter of the year. We are. (laughs) Hopefully my reading will pick up a little. I just feel like I'm not reading quite as much as I would like. Mm. Uh, But we'll see. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to let it play out the way it does. Sure. My fall list, and I think we're going to talk about this next time. It's ever growing and it is spooky and I can't wait to get into it. I'm so excited. (laughs) Well, speaking of our next episode, we are going to talk about seasonal reading. Mm Julia is going to share a little bit about her seasonal book Mm -hmm. lists. I'm going to talk a little bit about my plans for fall reading. And I think that's basically it for what the next episode or the next chapter is going to be. Very conversational. Yeah. Friends, thank you for taking the time to listen to our show today. Mm -hmm. I hope that you found at least one book that you think you might like to pick up and read. I'm going to ask that if you're enjoying the show, that you would take some time to rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts, only because it makes us more visible to other readers and listeners Mm -hmm. like you. If you don't feel comfortable doing that, that's perfectly fine. We want you to just keep coming back and spending time with us. But you can spread the word with your readerly friends Mm -hmm. if you would like to, because we'd love to have more people join us here in the Book Snug. Yes. We're so glad that you spent part of your day with us today. And we hope that you will return and join us in the next chapter of the Book Snug. Bye, friends. We'd love for you to continue today's conversation with us at the booksnug underscore podcast on Instagram and at the booksnug podcast on Facebook. All of our episodes can be found wherever you listen to podcasts, as well as at our website, thebooksnugpodcast.buzzsprout.com, where show notes for every episode can be found. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at thebooksnugpodcast at gmail.com. As C.S. Lewis, one of our favorite authors famously said, You can never have a cup of tea large enough or a book long enough to suit me. And we wholeheartedly agree.